in the understanding of us as New Testament believers. Um, so we see God's work within the church, but also within our own lives and how that, that fits within the, the greater context of uh, his corporate work within the church. So much like the psalmist who could rejoice by recalling God's deeds among Israel, uh, we can rejoice and be assured of God's promises for us by recounting the promises he has made for his church in the New Testament. So the very first part here is uh, shout for joy all the earth, sing the glory of his name, give to him glorious praise. So we're starting with, uh, with praise the Lord or um, you know, sometimes uh, we say hallelujah or hallelujah. So uh, the first thing I want to focus on here is that uh, when, when we continually see this in, in the Bible and especially in the Old Testament, this isn't just like praise the Lord, you know, hey, things are good, but it's, it's also a, a scriptural command. In Psalms 148.5, it says, Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. Psalms 112.1 says, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. In Isaiah 43.20 and 21, God says, I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert to drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed that they might declare my praise. So God is saying not only are, are we to praise him, but that it's the very reason that we were created. So uh, my first point here we're going to look at this morning is, is to praise the Lord in our worship. So we're called to praise God. We're called to worship God in splendor, to bow down before him, to worship him alone, to worship him in spirit and in truth. So as I went through this, I, I tried to just kind of write down some, some questions I had and then go back through and, and try to answer some of those questions. Uh, so my first question is, why should we praise him? And I have uh, a few answers here. Um, so why should we praise him? The first is because praise glorifies God. In Psalms fifty twenty three, it says, The one who offers thanksgiving as his praise glorifies me. Our second is because praise demonstrates salvation. In uh, 1 Peter 2.9, he says, But you are a, cho- a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. You once were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. In this, I, I just want us to, to understand that uh, salvation is a work of God, and I think we all know that, and uh, it's, it's one of those things that I know for myself I have to constantly be reminded of, that, uh, that salvation is a work of God. It's, it's not a work of Tim. It's not a, uh, something that I can do at all, that, uh, that, that God offers salvation, that, that he elects, that he, he draws us to him, and without that, that drawing, we would, we would never be drawn to God. And so the evidence of salvation is holiness of the heart. And then the effect of that evidence is praise. So God is glorified by our praise. When we truly understand who God is and who we are and what God has done for us, our only response then is going to be praise. Another way to, to look at this is that if, uh, if we are saved by faith, um, then the gift of God... Uh, Sorry. 
Let me try that one again. We, we are saved by, by faith, and that is a gift of God. And so since it is a gift of God, we know that, that we can't boast in that. But what we can do is instead of boasting in ourself is we praise God because we've received that gift of salvation. The third one is because praise encourages others. In Colossians 3.16 it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So this is the whole idea of why we, when we come together on Sunday morning that, that we sing songs. You know, we, we don't just come and, and have a sermon or, or have prayer time, but as a, a major part of our corporate worship and, and, and uh, pretty much all churches' corporate worship, they gather, they sing songs. And this is because it is commanded here in Scripture. And the reason that we do this isn't just to offer praise to God, but it's because it also encourages us, it admonishes the body of believers. The indwelling of Christ produces overwhelming joy and thankfulness, which will affect those around us, encouraging them to also praise God. And then uh, the fourth reason I have here of why we should praise him is because it enriches worshipers. So this goes along with the last one a little bit. Um, but here in, in Psalms 147.1, it says, Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. So it's good to sing praises to God because it's the right thing to do. Um, but it's also good because it's good for us. Like in the previous one, I said it's good because it, it helps the other people that, that we're around. When, when you come to church and, and you see people that are excited and they're praising God, that, that's going to, to help you. But when you praise God, it's going to help you as well. So it, it blesses us, it blesses those around us. And then when we are blessed, we join in others in the praise of God. So how should I praise him? I have, uh, there, there are lots of ways that we should praise God, but I just have uh, two of them here. And the first one is um, by meditating in this. I don't mean, you know, some Eastern um, idea of, you know, um, meditating and, yeah, you know, sitting cross-legged and, and trying to focus on on some uh, distant point. But but uh, the biblical idea of meditating, of, of meditating on, on God's precepts and on his law and in scripture. Um, here is found in, in Psalms 143 and 5. It says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. Psalms 119.15 says, I will meditate on your precepts, and I will fix my eyes on your ways. So when we meditate on God's work and his word, we will rejoice in his promises to us and in what he has done for us. And also when we meditate on what God has done for us, we will see that, that we are truly blessed. And so once again, when, once we um, see the blessings that God has given us, it's going to encourage us to, to praise him even more. So back to, uh, to Psalm 66 here is, is the, the second reason of why we should praise him, and that's by, um, by shouting and singing. So once again, in, in 1 and 2, it says, Shout for joy all the earth, sing the glory of his name, and give to him glorious praise. So um, the reasons that, that we would, would shout and sing then is uh, to offer adoration to the person of God. Um, so that is 
seeing the glory of his name. Um, the awareness of his, of his power is another one here in 3 and 4. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sing praises to you. They sing praises to your name. And then an appreciation of his purposes, which is 5 through 7. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds towards the children of man. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There did we rejoice in him who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. So the psalmist here is, um, once again, we have to see this in in the context that uh, this is the Old Testament, and so um, the psalmist is recounting what what God has done for, for Israel. So he recalls, you know, that that uh, God took Israel out of Egypt, you know, and, and that he parted the Red Sea and that um, he took them across the dry land. And so as he, he goes back and, and recounts this, then he remembers, you know, I'm, I'm a part of this chosen people, that God has chosen me as well, and so I can rejoice. If, if God has done these great things in the past, I can only think of, of the great things that he's going to do in the future and, and how I'm a part of this group and, and I can trust in God. So once again, um, when, when we truly understand who God is and who we are, just like the psalmist understood who, who God was and, and who he was within the people of God, then, uh, then we are going to be moved to praise God. So where should we praise him? Um, tons of, of places where we should praise him, but I, I just picked out a, a couple of places that I found in Scripture. and In Psalms 150, um, it tells us to, to praise God in the sanctuary and in the mighty heavens. In Psalms 22, verse 22, it says, I will, um, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. So that tells us to, to praise God in, in corporate worship. And Acts 16 and 25, you know, we, we see um, God being praised in a prison. Um, and so basically just these ideas that that uh, we are called to praise God in, in both public and private. Um, and so we, we praise God in, in uh, personal prayer time. We praise God with our, our families. We praise God when we, we gather together as uh, corporate worship on Sunday morning. We praise God when we're um, gathered with, with fellow believers in our home and, and out in the community. Um, and basically just at all times we are to be praising God. My second point this morning is is to praise the Lord in your walk. If we um, jump back down to verse 9, it says, um, I guess start with verse 8, Bless, O God, uh, bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard, who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip. So um, this would be um, the regenerated life as um, especially as we understand it as New Testament believers. And um, here I just kind of focused on uh, Romans 6.23. We have uh, the deadness of the unregenerate soul and aliveness for the regenerate soul. That is, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus our Lord. We also have... Uh, reassurance here in that, that second part of, of verse 9. It says, He has not let our feet slip. So we have life with a sense of security. Romans eight thirty eight and 39 says, For I am sure that neither death 
nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, no powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then also in, uh, in Romans eight twenty nine and 30, it says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And so we, we have security. Um, we know that, uh, that God is not going to let our feet slip. If, if God has, has called us to him, and he did so for a reason, and if, if he has started that process in our life, if, if, uh, if we've been elected and, and, and received salvation, then we can trust that, that God will continue that, that process. Because as it says, those whom he predestined, he also called. Whom he called, he justified. And whom he justified, he also glorified. And so we can trust that, that God is going to carry us along to the end and, uh, and that we, we may have uh, trials, we may have hard times, but, but God is going to continue his work in us. I also have here uh, life with a firm foundation. In uh, Jude 24, it says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. And in 2 Timothy 2.19, it says, But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Depart from antiquity. Iniquity is later. Um, So we move on uh, to verse 10. For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. And we went through fire and through water. And yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. So like I said, we, we can trust that, that God is going to uh, hold fast. That uh, if, if he's begun that work, then, then we're going to make it to the end. But that doesn't mean that it's, it's smooth sailing and everything's going to be easy. Um, you know, here, here we see that, uh, that there is going to be testing. And so... Um, the thing here to remember is that this is going to be testing that, that God ordains. Um, we know that, that God tests his people. We can look through all the Old Testament. I'm sure most of you are, are familiar with a, a lot of passages in the Old Testament where, where God is testing his people, and, and even in the New Testament as well. You know, We know of, of uh, Abraham and, and Isaac and how um, God called Abraham to go sacrifice his own son, um, and Abraham... Uh, was willing and, and went to go sacrifice his son Isaac when uh, when God provided a, a ram uh, just at, at the last minute and uh, and he didn't have to sacrifice his own son. Um, but much, much in that way, we're going to have uh, trials. It may not be like that, and I, I certainly hope it's not going to be like that, but uh, but we will have have trials in and, and ways that, that God is going to test us. Um, but things that we can remember is that uh, that God is going to um, to test us so that our character is strengthened. Uh, he's not going to tempt us because he does not desire his people to sin. Um, you know, it's, it's not ever God's desire that, that we're going to be um, tested in, in order to fail. Um, but, but God does that testing just to, to help us to grow in him. And at the very last part of, of verse 12, we have, um, and yet you brought us out to a place of abundance. And so um, 
we can we can rejoice and praise God that uh, that He is going to offer triumph. So even if we're going through the, through that trial and testing right now, um, this is still a time to offer praise because we we understand through Scripture that God does have promises for us and that that God is going to bring us through that trial, um, and that uh, that we really don't have much to worry about. The uh, the last part here in in uh, sixty six uh, starts with with verse thirteen, and so this part is uh, praise the Lord with your witness. And thirteen through fifteen is uh, the witness of sacrifice. It says, "I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will perform my vows to you, that which my lips uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble." I will offer to you burnt offerings of fattened animals with the smoke of the sacrifice of rams. I will make an offering of bulls and goats. This is the part that sounds a little bit weird, um, but it's also the part that, that I think is the most exciting here because here we have a, a break from, from the promises of the Old Testament in, in light of the New Covenant. So uh, the first thing I want us to look at here is, is Hebrews 8.8. 8. It says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant. Actually, let me go ahead and move there. My Bible's too heavy. It keeps knocking down the stand. My uh, regular glasses are broken, so I'm having to use my old scratched up one, so I need this uh, one with a great big print here. Alright, so in uh, Hebrews, once again, I said 8.8. Eight. Um, so he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And so here in, in uh Psalms, we see the psalmist obviously speaking out of the Old Testament, talking about the covenant that he understood. But uh, here we have a promise, and this is, is quoted from Jeremiah, when, when uh, God is telling of a time when there will be a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And so uh, as we move on further in, in Hebrews, um, in, in chapter 9, uh, starting in about 11, we have... But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, and then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And then um, we can jump down to verse 24. It says, For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things into heaven itself, but now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. So here in, in Psalms, he talks about, um, you know, this, this blood of, of bulls and goats, but 
what we understand from, from Scripture is that uh, it's not the blood of, of bulls and goats that, that, um, that sanctifies us. You know, it, it's not that which, which cleanses our sin, but it, it's the, the blood of, of Jesus Christ which cleanses our sin. Even in the Old Testament, um, th- this is telling us that uh, in the Old Testament, as, as they killed those, those bulls and, and goats and all the other different animals that he called them to sacrifice at different times, like the blood of those animals is not what, what, was not what cleansed their sin. But they did it just as a, a shadow of what was to come. They did that to remind them that one day God will send a Messiah. And at that time, they didn't understand that the Messiah was going to come and, and be slaughtered, you know. Um, but as, as New Testament believers, uh, we do understand that. Even more here, in, uh, in the next chapter, in, in 10.4, it says, For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. But then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written for me in the scroll of the book. So once again, um, God is, is saying that even in all those sacrifices, he took no pleasure, which is, seems strange because he told them to do it. But um, we're understanding that uh, it, it's not that he was upset that he did it, but it wasn't really their sacrifice that, that made any difference, but they did it for them to understand at that time um, and so that it, w- it would foreshadow uh, Christ who would come and, and be the, the permanent sacrifice. And so then, um, for us, the, uh, the question is, well, then what, what sacrifice do we have? Because if, if Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice and they used to have to make sacrifices, then how, to, how is their application in our life here? So here we can look at Romans 12 and 1. It says, Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So here uh, we have a, a stark contrast from, from the Old Testament in that in the Old Testament, again, they were, they were called to make these sacrifices. And in the New Testament, we were still called to make sacrifices. But instead of our sacrifice being the death of something, our sacrifice is the opposite. We sacrifice life. We don't die, but we die to ourselves, and we live new life in Christ. So Christ fulfilled the need for, for blood and animal sacrifices. Once again, that was just the shadow. But our sacrifice is spiritual worship, um, which um, I think I think is is much harder. Um, it's you know in this idea in the Old Testament of sacrificing the animal, it's it's very obvious. Like I went, I brought my animal. It was the perfect animal, blemish without spot. I gave it to the high priest. He killed it. He sacrificed it. I know that's done. It's very easy, cut and dry. But for us, it's not, it's not so easy and cut and dry. You know, we have to examine ourselves every day. Am I, am I really sacrificing my life? Am, am I living a life that, that's glorifying God? Um, or am I just kind of half-heartedly do it? You know, I'm sacrificing my time. I go to church on Sunday morning. 
I have to sacrifice again later in the week and go to small group, and now my small group is doing a study, and I've got to sacrifice time to go read that lesson and answer those questions, and, you know, is, is that really what we're doing, or are we, are we daily um, taking up our cross and, and uh, sacrificing our own life and our own desires um, in order to pick up uh, the, the life that Christ has for us, to, to live a life of, of his desires and, and his goals for us. So um, the last one I have, so that one was uh, the witness of sacrifice, and the last witness I have here is uh, the witness of speech. So if we jump back in uh, to the psalm again, this is the, the very last part of the psalm, 16 through 20. It says, Come and hear, all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened, but truly God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. So we had the, the witness of sacrifice, and then I, I think this last part here is the witness of speech. And uh, like I said, the, it, it's hard to tell sometimes maybe if we're making that, that uh, witness of sacrifice. Um, but I think it's, it's pretty obvious, and most of us know if, if we are making the, the witness of speech or not. Um, and I, I say this as, as a, a person who has um, the hardest time with this is, you know, talking to others about my faith. Is um, I'm, I'm a very introverted person, and so it's very easy for me to just tell myself, like, you know, my personality type, it's, it's hard for me to talk to people, and so it's kind of okay, and I don't really have to worry about doing it that much. Um, but we know that it's, it's scriptural, that it is command. Um, I'm sure everyone here is, is very familiar with uh, Matthew 28, 19 through 20, which says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Like I said, we're all aware of that, and we all, we all know that. But the question is then, are, how are we communicating what God has done? So we are to make disciples, and we do, sh- we do so by sharing. And so um, here, here from the psalmist, we, we see how, how he communicated this and, and how he shared it. And uh, he shares the, the progress that, um, that God has made in him, you know, um, he, he recalls what, what God has done um, for the greater community, what God has done for all of his people, and, and what God has done for himself. And so um, we need to, uh, to go and, and, and share the gospel with, with others. Uh, the part here where he says that, he says, Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. So then our commandment is, is to go out and, uh, and to share what, with others what God has done for our for my soul um, and so in in this way it it kind of lifts the burden a little bit um, because it it is hard to to go out and to talk to other people um, I think for um, for most of us uh, the the thought is oh, well i need to I need to totally understand everything in scripture when I talk to someone i 'm going to have to lay out uh, the gospel from beginning to end, and I want to make sure I, I don't miss anything in that. 
and I need to have all of my act together because otherwise when I, I try to talk to somebody about this, they're going to they're gonna look at me and say, well, you don't do any of this stuff either, or, or you're still having trouble with this thing, and so how can you tell me how to live my life? Um, but all, all we really have to do here is just say, um, this is who God is, and, and I know that this is who I am, and uh, this is what I struggle with, and this is what I still struggle with. And, uh, and, and just tell them what, what God did. You know, tell them what God has done in your life, that, um, that, that God called you, that, um, that God brought you to him. And that, uh, most of all, that, that, that God has, has not only offered salvation, but, you know, practically, this is, this is the way that, that God worked in my life, and, and this is the way that God's working in my life now. Um, these are the things that, that, that I'm still failing, that I know that I'm having trouble with, and, and these are ways that, that God is helping me. Um, and, and this works out in lots of different ways, you know, um, that I know for me, you know, God doesn't just work in, like, I read the Bible and I pray, and, and God just really nurtures my soul, but, but it happens in, in uh, you know, in more physical ways as well, um, that, you know, I'm, I'm, screwing up in this and, and, uh, continually messing up in this and, and, uh, my wife and my kids are, are calling me out on it. Um, that, that my friends, um, you know, the, um, the guys that I go to church with say, Hey, you know, how are you doing on this? That, that God is, is working in me through his people. Uh, and in the same way we should be desiring, um, to be working in other people, um, because, because that's what, what God has called us to. So once again, I just want to encourage you that, that we don't have to wait until we've got everything um, figured out and, and everything together in order to be um, used by God, that, that God desires um, to use us as, as broken vessels to, um, to do his will. And uh, the second way that, that you can uh, share that is, is by the prayers that he has answered for you. He touches on this in 19. He says, but truly God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. So we can share specific ways that God has answered prayers. Um, it doesn't have to be some miraculous medical recovery, um, but you can share how, how he's helped you to, to overcome temptations that you've prayed about, um, how he encouraged you when you felt overwhelmed, how he sent others uh, to your aid when you needed it most. And then the last one here is... Uh, the principles that he has explained to you. Um, and this one, I, I looked at uh, verse 18. It says, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. And so if he's saying, like, if I had cherished sin, if I had cherished the bad things, that God wouldn't have listened. So if he didn't do that, then he's obviously doing the opposite. He's cherishing the things of God. He's, he's focusing on the principles that God has explained to him. He's, he's focusing on on uh, scripture and, and what God has, has shown him. And so uh, this is another way that, that we can share with others. We can share that, uh, um, you know, when, when I talk to someone, I can say, at one time I did, I did cherish iniquity. Um, it was, was my desire to, um, to, you know, to idolize myself. It was my desire to do what was, uh, what was going to best be or what I thought was going to be beneficial to myself, to serve myself, um, but only through God, um, because, uh, because God is, is 
given me his Holy Spirit, um, and through his words, am I able to have a change in, in my heart and my desires. Um, so I can, I can share how um, I am no longer falling in, into certain sins that at one time um, were very difficult, um, and, and that, uh, that now I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm disgusted by things that at, at one time were, uh, were interesting to me because the Holy Spirit has changed that in my life. Um, but once again, I can also share how, how there are other things that, that God is still working on that, that I do struggle with. So, um, as we move into uh, a time of communion here, uh, I hope that, that we can take this time uh, to focus on, on the sacrifice of, of Christ. Um, that God... Uh, that God did send his son and that Jesus um, did live this, this perfect life and so that, that we no longer have this, um, this need for, for um, the sacrifice of, of bulls and goats, that, uh, that Christ's body was broken and, and he spilled his blood um, for the payment of our sins. Um, take time and, and focus on uh, how we are presenting our bodies as living sacrifices uh, for God and and. And maybe it's it's a time to to think about how how perhaps you are not living um, as a living sacrifice uh, that, that you are still caught in sin that you are um, are still struggling and uh, and you know take time to uh, to ask God to to help you with that to to overcome that um, to be able to to live a life that is is good and pleasing to Him. Take time to recall the work that, that God has done in your life um, and listen um, again to, to the work that he wants to do that, that you are resisting. Let's pray. Father, um, we do not spend enough time worshiping you. Father, let us uh, never forget your holiness nor our sinfulness. Uh, Father, that, that you are a holy and perfect and just God. Uh, Father, that, uh, that you, you do nothing wrong. You are, are never tempted by sin or wrongdoing. Um, that, that you utterly despise all sin. Uh, Father, let us, let us not forget how perfect you are. Father, we ask that, uh, that you send your spirit to work within us. Uh, Father, use your spirit... Um, to help us to assess ourselves and, and be open to the work that you want to do in us. Help us to remember our need for you. Um, Father, we thank you um, for communion. Father, we thank you that, uh, that we have this, uh, this weekly opportunity to remember the sacrifice that you have made, um, to have a reminder of our, of our personal and our corporate need for you. Father, a reminder the price that, that you have paid, Father, and, and how, um, how we could have, have never paid that price, Lord, that we would, um, we would have no way to stand before you. Father, but, uh, but you did send your son, and he did pay the price, and, and our sin has been forgiven. Uh, Lord, and we no longer have to go to, um, go to a priest and, and sacrifice animals, Lord, but that... Uh, um, 
that as your son died for our sin, Lord, that the, the curtain temple was, was ripped, Lord, and, and we have the opportunity to come directly to you. Uh, Lord, let us not forget about that, Lord, that uh, that, that is, is such an amazing opportunity given us to us, that we have direct access to you. Let us not take that for granted. Father, teach us to live lives that are dependent on you. Let us praise you at all times. Um, for you are our only hope. Lord, you um, are the only chance that we, we have for life. Lord, that, that we are called to, uh, to live a life that is, is of sacrifice. Lord, that, uh, that that life of sacrifice is really the only option for life that we do have. Um, and Lord, that uh, as, we, as we make those sacrifices, um, that we learn how to live at all. Father, we, um, we thank you for that so much. We pray this in uh, the name of Jesus. Amen.